This episode is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook of your choice that you get to keep with their free trial. You can learn more at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 66. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we're going to Brownwood, Texas to talk to Pastor Richard Middlestadt. He is the pastor of Grace Lutheran Church there in Brownwood. Pastor Middlestadt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Help orient us geographically. Where where are we? <laughs> That's a good question because it's kind of a uh, almost a misnomer. We're, I mean, Texas is a big state you know, as, as everyone likes to brag. And, and I know a pastor up in Alaska that likes to remind everybody that, you know, if you cut Alaska in half, Texas will still only be the third largest state. But, um, but it, where Brownwood, Texas is, they call it West Texas. You know, we're kind of on the edge of what they call the hill country. There, there is hillier areas to Texas. And we're right kind of on the fringe of, like I say, what they call West Texas. It, from here, it continues further west, and you get up into the Panhandle, and you get out to the Permian Basin and things like that, where they're they're doing all the, the drilling for the oil and things of that sort. And so we're kind of right on the, the eastern edge of West Texas. I don't know if you want to call it unique, but one of the interesting things about Brownwood is if you had about two hours in any direction, you're going to run into a, a larger, more metropolitan area. If you continue west, you're going to hit Abilene. If you continue almost straight east, you're going to hit Fort Worth. If you continue kind of kind of southeast, you hit Austin. So we're, we're remote, but we're within two hours or less of a major metropolitan area. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. What's your background, and how did you come there? Well, I'm a second career, you know, as a pastor. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and went to school in, in northern Illinois, in DeKalb. That's where I met my wife, and we live pretty much in the Chicago suburb area and northwest Indiana. We, had a, we did a short stint down in central Illinois, but for the most part, a Suburb of Chicago, Northwest Indiana, that's all kind of a big conglomerate now. It, it all kind of runs together. And that's pretty much where I had lived, lived my life until went off to seminary and was placed down in, in a place called Eden, Texas, which is also in West Texas. And, you know, at, at, at uh, placement service, you know, when they said Eden, Texas, I had no idea where... Texas even was, not alone where Eden, Texas was. <laughs> and so it was it was rather interesting. We flew down and, and went to visit Eden. And Eden is a town of, oh, I think it's about 1,200. No, it's about 1,900, but 1,000 of those live in a prison. So it's a very small town. Um, it was a dual parish with another congregation about 30 miles down the road in Menard, Texas. 
From there, I had received a call to um, Seguin, which is right outside of San Antonio, um, which is kind of central central south Texas. Um, San Antonio is obviously one of the major metropolitan areas of of Texas. I mean, it's one of the largest cities even in the country, although it does not appear to be. When you go through San Antonio, it doesn't appear to be as big as what it is. And then about, right about two years ago, I received a call to Brownwood, which is back in the West, West Texas. Oddly enough, it's even in the same circuit where I began. So, Fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about this East uh, Texas, West Texas divide. You've mentioned that it's hillier, but the way you've referred to it in your journeys is that there, there seems to be almost some, maybe some cultural differences there as well. Is that the case or am I reading too much into what you're saying? Oh, no, there's definitely, I mean, Texas really, until I got here, I never realized what Texas is like and culturally, um, geographically, I mean, it's, it's really kind of interesting. And in West Texas, it tends to be a little bit drier. Um, the further west you go, it even goes up in elevation. West Texas tends to be a little bit slower pace. It's a lot more ranchers. It's not uncommon to, my wife and I go for walks around our neighborhood and when people drive past you, you wave at each other. Neighbors will say hello, even if you don't know them as you're walking by, as you're driving down the road, people will wave at you as you're you're driving past them. People will still open doors for women occasionally. It's, you know, you hear yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And there still is kind of that old, you know, respect, you know, amongst people. As you go further east, if you would, you get, you kind of hit the I-35 corridor, which is kind of the, you have Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, and then San Antonio. And that's one of the major industry. And so it's it's certainly a little bit more built up. The people are a little bit more rushed, a little bit different atmosphere. As you continue further east, what's interesting is you get into eastern Texas, northeast Texas, you would think you're in Minnesota. I mean, you've got these huge, tall pine trees. It's actually called the Piney Woods. They do logging there. I never knew there was logging done in Texas, but there's huge sawmills. I mean, you like I say, you'd think you were in Minnesota. And then you go south from there and you get into the Gulf. And so you get down into the beaches, you get down into what they call the valley. And so you've got the Gulf, you've got the beaches, you've got the humidity, you've got Houston. Um, but but it's a totally different area there. There again in West Texas, I forgot to mention that when you get out towards the Panhandle, you actually have Paladuro, which is the second largest canyon in the United States. It's only smaller than the Grand Canyon. And so you've got a very just wide array of geography. You know, if you want to go to drier, you can head further further west. If you want humid, you can go east. If you want metropolitan, you kind of go in the middle. Although it's it's funny talking geography that around this area, there's 
I'm in Brownwood. There's a town south of us called Brady and then Eden where I was. And they all kind of argue over who's the middle, the central part of the state of Texas. And so it's it's a debate as to who's in the who's in the middle, you know, and and everybody claims to have the the marker, you know, for for where the actual center of Texas is. The true yeah. center. I want to go back to your your personal story. What what are some of the contrasts that you draw between where you were in Illinois with your time with Texas now? Um, well, certainly, I mean, I would say there's a little bit different. I don't want to say work ethic, but more of almost a cultural difference in that. Um, I mean, the Midwest people are a lot more rushed. People are in a hurry. I used to be in sales and stuff, and and it's funny that, you know, with the advent of cell phones and pagers and stuff, the way people expected responses was quicker and quicker and quicker. And down here, people are a little bit more laid back. Um, there's still pride, you know, with people, especially when you get out into West Texas with the ranchers and stuff. There's a lot more um, pride. Um, uh, so it seemed like when you're, at least in your part of the Midwest, there wasn't a lot of pride of place, but now there is when, where you are in, in Brownwood. Well, when I say pride, I guess I mean, what's the word I want? Yeah, pride isn't really, maybe pride wasn't, or maybe traditional, you know, values, maybe is more what I'm looking for, you know? Okay. In West Texas, there's still a lot more of a traditional value to to the way people, okay. to the way people live. Um, I mean, it's, it's becoming, you know, you were commenting about where you are and you know, there certainly is a little bit more progressivism coming in, but there's a lot more traditional values, I guess was more of the word I was looking for. Um, up in the Chicago area, things are certainly a little bit more progressive and things of that sort. Down here in West Texas, I mean, it's getting better, but, but things like fast food, you know, there is no such thing as fast food, you know, if, if you go to a fast food restaurant, you know, it, it will still take a little bit longer than, you know, what you expected up north, you know, and, and uh, people are just more laid back about being willing to wait for things and stand in line and, and expect it. And I think some of that's tied to the fact that, you know, like I said, it, people tend to drive an hour or two. I mean, people think nothing of driving an hour to go to a restaurant to eat. Whereas, you know, in the Midwest, you know, in the Chicago area, it was, you went two blocks to, to get to where you were going, you know, and that maybe took you almost the same amount of time, but <laughs> it was only a couple of blocks away. Uh, I have heard stories about Chicago yeah. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Brownwood. What are you, what would you say are some of the best things about the area? Brownwood is kind of a, a unique little town. I mean, it started out, I believe, originally it was an oil boom town. And then the oil boom kind of died out. And then uh, the war came along. And Texas had um, World War II, I should say. And Texas had the second or the largest at the time. It was Camp Bowie. 
And at the time during World War II, Texas had the largest training, military training base in all of Texas. You know, everyone thinks of Fort Hood and stuff. At the time, actually, Brownwood had the largest base. And then due to politics, it was greatly downsized. It's now just a uh, National Guard facility, so it's nowhere near the size of what it was. And so, so Brownwood has kind of gone through ebbs and flows where it boomed under oil and then kind of died, and then a boom during World War II, and then it's kind of died back down. And and even though our population has kind of remained somewhat, somewhat constant, you know, we're at we're at about 19,000 people, and there's about 38,000 in the whole county. You know, we're starting to see, I think, another coming back of the community. You know, there's some. Uh, in the downtown area, there's some businesses opening back up. I mean, the downtown was rather rather empty and rather bleak looking for many years, but there's some renovation going on. There's businesses going in. We've had a bookstore go in. We've had some restaurants go in. We've had some different uh, alcohol, you know, a tap house go in, a brew house go in. There's a winery going to go in. Um, so there's, there's some reinvestment going back in. The city is in the process of building a, what do they call it? A, a multi-purpose event center complex. Fancy. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I got all those words in right. <laughs> but they're investing, I think it's um, eight, nine million dollars into building this. But the neat thing they're gonna do is they're gonna use some of the existing warehouse buildings from the community and they're going to renovate those and make use of those rather than tear them down. And so they're going to keep some of the old architecture. And that's what some of these other businesses have done. Um, they're, they're keeping the old architecture, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm not sure how many years ago for sure, but several years ago, the Lyric theater opened in downtown. It used to be a movie theater and they took and renovated it. <coughs> Excuse me. They took it, renovated it, and now they do um, live plays and stuff there with local talent. Also in the hub of Brownwood is Howard Payne University. So we have a four-year university that's been here since the 1800s. It was established in 1889. So it's it's been a long-standing facility here in town. We also have a two-year vocational school it continues to to kind of like I say grow back. There was there was a period of almost probably thirty years where nothing really happened in Brownwood, and you see it when you look at homes. You know, there's this gap of like our home that we just bought, you know, two years ago was built in the seventies, and you really don't see anything until the last five years of new construction. There was this void of home. You know, Brownwood was kind of stuck in a time capsule. And so now it's kind of coming back. We have a Chick-fil-A now, so. <laughs> so then it sounds like one of the, the strengths of the community is just the fact that it's it's feeling vital again and growing again? Yes, yes, very much so. You know, there's, there's um, a good feeling within the community, I think, where people are feeling positive about things. And so it, 
And so there's reinvestment coming back in. That makes sense. So if somebody was thinking about moving to Brownwood, what would be some of like the top highlights for you? Like, ah, oh, you got to move here for this reason. Would it be that those traditional values that we just talked about a few minutes ago, the revitalization? What would you say are like some of the maybe top two or three reasons that, that Brownwood's a great place? I think the traditional values is is very important, is, is a great um, point. The as you mentioned, the revitalization. I think if you are, in particular, if you're not familiar, if you're a football fan, you know, football is, is in particular, high school football is big in Texas, you know, the whole Friday Friday Night Lights thing. Um, so if you have kids that are going to be high school age, Brownwood is, is typically a very uh, competitive football team at the high school level, um, there again, to me, I mean, I played football in high school and things like that. It's it's just a whole different level down here. I mean, they actually have season ticket holders for high school football games, and so so very much the community is very much built around, you know, supporting the schools, you know, and then the kids in the schools, and and Brownwood kind of marries up to a town called Early Texas, which is kind of town of about 3,000 and the two kind of just merged together. We're out here in the middle of nowhere and there's two towns that are merged together. And so there's some rivalries that go on between the two communities and, you know, early is in the process of they're going to build a, a new downtown. And so I think that's partially why, you know, Brown would ask to build this, you know, multi-purpose event center complex, you know, and because you got to keep up. And so there's, there's that competitive spirit even, even between the communities, you know, and so, and I, I think if I'll go back to, you know, if you're looking for kind of the traditional values and, you know, you want to get away from the rush of, you know, I've got to be here, I've got to be there and, you know, I've got to get there, but, oh, there's 20 miles of traffic in front of me. I mean, I could drive from one end of Brownwood to the other in traffic in 10 minutes. You know, when I first got here, my secretary one day, it was, it was getting close to five and she said, oh, pastor, you know, you might want to be leaving, you know, beat the rush hour traffic. And it's like, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It sounds like it's one of those towns where if there's a couple cars on the road, that's traffic. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Let's talk about the flip side. What are some of the challenges of, of being in Brownwood? So probably some of the challenges, you know, economically, um, it's very much a blue collar community. You know, we've got some major employers. Um, Kohler has a big plant here. 3M has a big plant here, you know, but as goes with any blue collar community as, as productions and things like that go up and down. So does, you know, so does the community to an extent. And so, um, although right now I think 3M is hiring, but there tends to be, I think a little bit different, um, culture to, to a blue collar community. Although we, our hospital, we had a locally, our hospital was owned by the city and our hospital just got bought out by a larger hospital. 
and so that has now brought, I think, some more money into our, our medical community. We're getting more doctors coming in now, you know, which is also a good thing. So we're seeing that the medical community advance. So, so if you're in the medical fields and looking for a place, you know, there's, there's opportunities here as that's growing. There is even a uh, two-year nursing program here for people that, you know, are surprisingly for a small community, there's, there's a fair amount of higher education available. I say we have the four-year university, we have an off-camp or a satellite campus of a two-year university, and we have a, a, a full vocational school in, in the community. And then there's the, the variety of restaurants. I'm amazed at, for the size town, how many different restaurants we have. Although it's, it's different when I was down in Seguin, if a restaurant opened up, chances are it was going to be a Mexican restaurant or a Mexican restaurant. There was, if you wanted Mexican food, Seguin is a wonderful place to get Mexican food. If you wanted something else, it was very limited. <laughs> And oddly enough, here in Brownwood, there's our, our Mexican restaurants are very limited. And if you want a good hamburger, there is a plethora of places to find a good hamburger. All right. So I, I think at some point I I missed where we transitioned from, you know, what, what are some of the, the things that maybe you should be aware of in terms of oh, the negatives? Right. I'm sorry. That's all right. Uh, tell us a little bit more about maybe what are some of the challenges. Like if somebody, again, was thinking of moving there, you might say, oh, you need to be aware of this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, some of the challenges. So like I say, the it, it tends to be a little bit more blue collar. We are, like I say, on the flip side, where it's nice that we are somewhat isolated. Also, we are somewhat isolated. You know, we have a Walmart, we have a couple of grocery stores, but for instance, if you wanted to buy a men's suit, you're not going to find a men's suit in Brownwood, Texas. I don't know if how many men's suits you find in Texas, but, <laughs> but you're not going to find one. I understand your point, though. Like, you're not going to find, like, the same amenities that you would if you lived in uh, downtown Dallas or something like that. Correct. Correct. You know, we don't have even like a dedicated shoe store anymore. There's just, um, you know, so so some of the some of the frills of of living in a in a bigger area, you know, you just don't have here. Like I say, up until the change in the hospital, the medical was a little bit weaker, um, you know, but that's that's making some changes. And also probably, I would say, if you are looking for, I mean, we tend to be a little bit also drier of a community, of an area. And so if you want- Drier as lush, in alcohol consumption or dry, no, oh, as drier in, as in- as in rain. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> So if, if you're looking for, you know, springs filled with, you know, all sorts of greenery and flowers and trees, I mean, we do have it, but um, 
it's it's not like I'll just say it's not like the Midwest, you know. And and during the summer, things there's I think there's a reason why it's called Brown County, because during the <laughs> summer it, it will get pretty brown. Gotcha. Uh, and then, uh, and even in the fall, you don't get the the colors. You know, that, that was one of the things living up north. You have the color change in the fall, and you really don't get that here. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Folks, if you like podcasts, you will enjoy Audible. It's a service that gives you a audiobook to listen to each month of your choice from a large library. And they want to get you started with a free trial offer that includes an audiobook that you get to keep. So go to lutherancartographer.com slash audible to get your free audiobook and start your free trial today. If you're not sure what book to check out, I recommend taking a look at Pastor Jonathan Fisk's Broken, Seven Christian Rules That Every Christian Should Break As Often As Possible. This was recently released on Audible. Very excited about it. In the book, Pastor Fisk goes through the classic pitfalls of moralism, mysticism, and rationalism, as well as several others. Check it out at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Let's get back to our guest. One of the interesting things that uh, I, we learned from when we talked to Pastor Scott Murray, who's over in Houston, that took him, he felt like after about 15 or 20 years, he feels truly welcomed as a Texan. What is it like there in terms of uh, kind of the adoption into Texas and being a Texan and into the local community, would you say? Yeah, so it's rather unique. So um, Texas is is kind of interesting. You know, my, my son comments that, you know, Texans are the only ones that buy their own souvenirs. <laughs> and so it uh, they're, it's a unique culture. And so I think... Uh, I would agree with Dr. Murray that it takes a little while. It in Brownwood for us has been probably a little bit different because I was here not even a year and then COVID hit. And so, I mean, everybody everywhere has kind of been, you know, thrown into, you know, a little bit different culture than what the world has been prior to that. And so I think it has certainly affected, you know, the way People have been, you know, carrying on in Brownwood and, and embracing people because, you know, very everybody's been very distant, you know, because of all the mandates to, you know, we've been mandated to be distant. And so and you see already people are starting together, the rank, there is some, you know, excitement in getting people back together again but yes unless you're born in texas you're you're never necessarily considered a, a texan you'll always be considered a a transplant well, let's go on and talk about what it's like to be lutheran there is texas part of the bible belt uh is there a lot of american christianity around what what's it like to be a lutheran there yeah, being a Lutheran um, in Texas is rather unique. Um, there's there's a lot of people that don't even know what what Lutheranism is. I mean, the big churches in in Texas are 
you know, the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, and Church of Christ. So the university here in town is associated with the, the Baptist Church. And so here in Brown County, in Brownwood proper, I mean, we are the only LCMS church that is here in, in Brownwood and Brown County, and we are the only Lutheran church that is in Brown County. The next closest Lutheran church is, oh, probably 20 miles away, and it's an ELCA congregation. The next closest LCMS church is probably 35 miles away. So, I mean, especially when you get out here into West Texas, Lutheranism is is rather spread out, you know, and, and there's not a lot of, of, in particular, a lot of Missouri Central Lutheran congregations. You will find, like I said, you'll find in almost every town, you'll find a Baptist church. Most of them, you'll find a Methodist church. And we are very much the if you would, the outsider, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I mean, there were Lutheran churches on, on every corner, whereas down here, it's the, there's not that presence of the Lutheran church. So it, we're very much looked at a little bit different. A lot of people don't know who we are. Um, and so it's, it's a learning curve for them to to grasp what Lutheranism is. Gotcha. Okay. Let's go on and talk about what it's like to raise a, a family there. I think overall, um, I mean, I don't have a younger family. And so, I mean, I can only base it upon, you know, what I I see of, of the members and, and in the community. I mean, the like I mentioned earlier, the, the community is very very oriented around the schools. They very much support their schools. We have several members that have been teachers who are now retired, but um, certainly I think the family is still um, a core unit and seen as important. Mm-hmm. It... Um, and I think that somewhat fits in with the, the traditional values, you know, that, that are here, that people, that the nuclear family is still, you know, you've got parts of the country where they're trying to tear the nuclear family apart. And I don't think that is as common here. I think, you know, there's very much a support of the family here. And that's why, you know, we have, we have a fair amount of parks for the size town we have a lot of parks in the community. We've got several of the parks have splash pads. We have um, an outdoor pool that has been put in with water slides and a lazy river, things of that sort. And so there are, our sports complexes are big. They, they host tournaments, softball tournaments and things of that sort. And so people travel here to come for for tournaments, you know, and so there's a strong support of of the family in that respect. And also, I guess, and I didn't mention earlier, also part of, I guess, an aspect of family and for the community is, is 
We also have a very large lake. I mean, we have a 7,300-acre lake that um, is on the edge of town, if you would. It's called Lake Brownwood. And so that also is, you know, promotes the family, you know, for boating, fishing, water skiing, all those kind of activities are, are very much a part of the culture here. Fishing is, is big, hunting is big. So you have a lot of families that, you know, fish together, hunt together, and things of that sort. That's fantastic. Let's talk a little bit more about those great things to do in the other area, whether it's hunting, fishing, places to eat, things to do. If you had somebody coming to town, what would you say, oh, you got to check this out? Well, the lake would be one. Like I say, it's, it's, it's a nice-sized lake. It was created by damming up the Colorado River, and so it's a, a man-made lake, as are most of the lakes within Texas. We've got, bordering the lake, there's a 500-plus acre state park, which is just beautiful. It was, a lot of it was built by the, the uh, CCA. And so you've got paths that have concrete benches that have been built in, and there's lodge houses, there's camping, there's trails, there's all sorts of stuff out there. If you're into um, horseback riding and the whole rodeo thing and things like that, all these communities around here all have arenas and riding. We have a young lady who just moved down here from Wyoming. She's actually putting in a, a campground for people with horses, you know, here in town. And so um, horseback riding and things of that is growing. Like I say, there's almost all these towns have riding arenas. So if you're into horseback riding and things of that sort, it very much is a part of the culture, which fits in with the whole ranching idea. Mm-hmm. Um, restaurants go, like I mentioned earlier, if you if you want a burger, there's a lot of great hamburger places. There's a place here in Brownwood called Underwoods, which is known for their their chicken. They've been around since I don't know when, since you know Texas was founded. I think they would try to claim anyway. Um, outside of town, in the middle of nowhere, there's a place called Cook's Fish Barn, which has they're only open Friday and Saturday, and they have all you can eat catfish and chicken and things of that sort for like twelve dollars. It's the only place I know of you can get. All-you-can-eat ribeye steak for $25. Um, and so that's that's certainly a neat place to go to. There again, it's the type of place when, when I lived up north, the, the health department would never allow it to be open, but, but down here things are a little bit different. And so, I mean, it has wood floors, and it's, it's a little bit rustic, but um, it's just kind of a fun place to go. Like I say, there's here in town, there's several tap houses opening up and there's a winery outside of town. There's going to be a wine tasting place opening up. There's a place here in Brownwood that has won an award in Texas for the best gelato. And so we have uh, the top gelato in, in Texas here in Brownwood. And for those that don't know, it's kind of like an ice cream. Uh We've got several museums. We have uh, two museums that are kind of based on the railroad because the railroad, and we still have the railroad comes through. 
So you've got um, two museums. One is a an old renovated depot, and the other is a museum that highlights, you know, the the railroad industry through the years. Here, they actually have a a little train that you can ride with kids on on a little track, you know, there on the on the property, and that's all right downtown. I say the downtown area, they're really trying to to bring back and renovate and and make it back into kind of a destination for people. That's really good. I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to highlight anything that you'd like to our listeners, your church's website, places to follow you online. Where would you like to send our listeners today? Well, we have a website, uh, glcbrownwood.com. And we're also on Facebook, and it's capital GLC Brownwood on Facebook. We're a traditional congregation. We're small. We probably lean a little bit to the more aged side of things. I think you see in Brownwood even that's kind of true. You've got kind of the elderly community, and then you've got the younger. Um, They're trying to attract, I think, the kind of middle-aged group back with with some of these things that they're they're bringing in and some of the culture they're trying to create it uh like i say it's a great place with traditional values and it's it's a wonderful place to live it's certainly compared to many spots in the country it's certainly more reasonable of a place to live cost wise i mean our cost of living is is very very affordable and there's there is employment available here i mean there's jobs that's always a good thing thank you so much for your time today what are your parting thoughts for our listeners a blessed lenten season what is what is left of it and uh look forward to the the joyous hope of the resurrection and the empty tomb and and all the hopes and promises that that contains for us Absolutely. Thanks again. God's peace. God's peace to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 66. I encourage you to check out that Audible trial offer. That's at lutherancartographer.com slash audible. Get that free audiobook that you get to keep for trying out their service. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.